Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Luke chapter 1, verses 34 to 38, and then through J.C. Rao's expository thoughts on Luke. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Luke chapter 1, verses 34 to 38. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Let us mark in these verses the reverent and discreet manner in which the angel Gabriel speaks of the great mystery of Christ's incarnation. In reply to the question of the virgin, how shall this be? He uses these remarkable words. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. We shall do well to follow the example of the angel in all our reflections on this deep subject. Let us ever regard it with holy reverence and abstain from those improper and unprofitable speculations upon it in which some have unhappily indulged. Enough for us to know that the Word was made flesh, and that when the Son of God came into the world, a real body was prepared for him, so that he took part of our flesh and blood and was made of a woman. John 1.14, Hebrews 10.5, Hebrews 2.14, and Galatians 4.4. 4. Here we must stop. The manner in which all this was effected is wisely hidden from us. If we attempt to pry beyond this point, we shall but darken counsel by words without knowledge and rush in where angels fear to tread. In a religion which really comes down from heaven, there must be mysteries. Of such mysteries in Christianity, the Incarnation is one. Let us mark in the second place the prominent place assigned to the Holy Spirit in the great mystery of the Incarnation. We find it written, The Holy Spirit shall come upon you. An intelligent reader of the Bible will probably not fail to remember that the honor here given to the Spirit is in precise harmony with the teaching of Scripture in other places. In every step of the great work of man's redemption, we shall find special mention of the work of the Holy Spirit. Did Jesus die to make atonement for our sins? It is written that through the eternal Spirit he offered himself up without spot to God. Hebrews 9.14 Did he rise again for our justification? It is written that he was quickened by the Spirit. 1 Peter 3.18 Does he supply his disciples with comfort between the time of his first and second advent? It is written that the Comforter, whom he promised to send, is the Spirit of Truth. John 14.17 Let us take heed that we give the Holy Spirit the same place in our personal religion which we find him occupying in God's Word. Let us remember that all that believers have and are and enjoy under the Gospel They owe to the inward teaching of the Holy Spirit. The work of each of the three persons of the Trinity is equally and entirely necessary 
for the salvation of every saved soul. The election of God the Father, the redemption of God the Son, and the sanctification of God the Spirit ought never to be separated in our Christianity. Let us mark in the third place the mighty principle which the angel Gabriel lays down to silence all objections about the Incarnation. With God, nothing shall be impossible. A hearty reception of this great principle is of immense importance to our own inward peace. Questions and doubts will often arise in men's minds about many subjects in religion. They are the natural result of our fallen estate of soul. Our faith at the best is very feeble. Our knowledge at its highest is clouded with much infirmity. And among many antidotes to a doubting, anxious, questioning state of mind, few will be found more useful than that which is now before us, a thorough conviction of the almighty power of God. With him who called the world into being and formed it out of nothing, everything is possible. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. There is no sin too black or bad to be pardoned. The blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. There is no heart too hard and wicked to be changed. The heart of stone can be made a heart of flesh. There is no work too hard for a believer to do. We may do all things through Christ who strengthens us. There is no trial too hard to be borne. The grace of God is sufficient for us. There is no promise too great to be fulfilled. Christ's words never pass away, and what he has promised he is able to perform. There is no difficulty too great for a believer to overcome. When God is for us, who shall be against us? The mountain shall become a plain. Let principles like these be continually before our minds. The angel's receipt is an invaluable remedy. Faith never rests so calmly and peacefully as when it lays its head on the pillow of God's omnipotence. Let us mark in the last place the meek and ready acquiescence of the Virgin Mary in God's revealed will concerning her. She says to the angel, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. There is far more of admirable grace in this answer than at first sight appears. A moment's reflection will show us that it was no light matter to become the mother of our Lord in this unheard of and mysterious way. It brought with it, no doubt, at a distant period great honor, but it brought with it for the present no small danger to Mary's reputation and no small trial to Mary's faith. All this danger and trial the Holy Virgin was willing and ready to risk. She asks no further questions. She raises no further objections. She accepts the honor laid upon her with all its attendant perils and inconveniences. Behold, she says, I am the servant of the Lord. Let us seek in our daily practical Christianity to exercise the same blessed spirit of faith which we see here in the Virgin Mary. Let us be willing to go anywhere and do anything and be anything, whatever be the present and immediate inconvenience, so long as God's will is clear and the path of duty is plain. The words of good Bishop Hall on this passage are worth remembering. Quote, All disputations with God after his will is known arise from infidelity. There is not a more noble proof of faith 
than to captivate all the powers of our understanding and will to our Creator, and without any questioning to go blindfold wherever He may lead. That is the end of Raoul's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory. In considering what we've just heard, would you prayerfully ask yourself and others the following questions? First, are we content in mystery, or do we feel we must go further? Are we surprised that the scriptures, being the very thoughts and wisdom of God, would have thoughts that wouldn't make sense to us? Second, if we believe the gospel and love God, it is a result of the work of the Spirit. Do we worship the Spirit for the work the Bible reveals He does? Third, when doubts arise and our faith feels weak, do we, as Ryle says, find calm and peace when we lay our heads on the pillow of God's omnipotence? Last, are we ready and eager to respond like Mary to God's revealed will, or do we tend to question and divert? Let us pray that God would give us faith like Mary.